Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. What I mean is it's going to cost you. Because we all have the same amount of time. It just took Solomon time. It's going to take us time. And I think it's worthy for us to do that and understand that. And as we do it, there should be some enjoyment in it as there was with Solomon. Remember, when you offer yourself to God, all of us, every part of you, just give it to Him. God, whatever you want, I'm yours. And I'm willing in yours because you're a great God and I love to serve you. Most people have a tendency to compartmentalize their lives. Family here, work there, church over there. That kind of division only creates discord. As believers, we should seek to integrate all of those things under one umbrella, God. The same goes for worship. When we limit ourselves to worshiping only during the music time on Sundays, we're shortchanging Him and us. Our time with the Lord happens not only when we're focused solely on Him, but also during the moments when we're working, celebrating, or relaxing. As we'll hear in our studies, Solomon's worship clearly took time and resources. He was willing to give because of his devotion to God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1 for part one of our message entitled, Solomon's Wise Choice. John bought two horses, but he could never remember which was which because it just looked alike. A neighbor suggested that he cut the tail of one horse, and that worked great until the other horse got his tail caught in the bush, and it tore just right and looked exactly like the other horse. The neighbor then suggested that John notch the ear of one of the horses. That worked fine until the other horse caught his ear on a barbed wire fence. Once again, our friend couldn't tell them apart. The neighbor finally suggested that he might measure the horses for height. When he did, he was very pleased to find out that the white horse was two inches taller than the black. (laughs) Now, if you think that's wisdom, you will not enjoy the chapter tonight that we're going through. As we begin the second book of Chronicles, We need to be reminded that in the original, there was no break. It was simply one book. This is really somewhat of a natural break as we begin now the reign of one of David's sons, Solomon. Second Chronicles, as we go through it, will focus on the lives of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom, you remember. Basically, Very little is mentioned about the northern kingdom, Israel, because really Chronicles was written for the Judeans who were returning, as you know, from captivity in Babylon, as we shared with about the prayer of Jabez. And also, really, the main focus was that Judah represented David's family from which the Messiah would come. Israel was 
always seemingly in this state of constant turmoil and anarchy and rebellion against God. But often, as we go through, you'll see, Judah did follow God. Israel basically, when the nations broke, had no godly kings. At least Judah had some during that time. Let's begin verse 1. Now Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom. And there's two things I want you to circle in this verse. For the Lord, his, you can circle that, his God, was with him and made him exceedingly great. There's two keys to success right there in that first verse. And those keys to success hold for your life and my life tonight exactly the same. The first key to success is that God was with him or with Solomon. Remember, that's the third part of Jabez's prayer. God, may your hand always be with me. Romans 8 tells us, since God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. So the key to Solomon's life and rule and reign here will be, first of all, that God was with him. The second key to success is that word, his God. Personal relationship with God. As I was in the doctor's office, that's the issue that came up. As I shared, the issue was, the physician said, I'm so-and-so. I won't give you the denomination or the religion or whatever. And I said, that's nice. I said, are you practicing? No, not really. So I had to say to him, there's a difference between religion, and I went through the very simple things that we do. Religion, just man trying to be good enough to reach up to God. But there's difference. There's a personal relationship, and that's God reaching down to man through the person and the only person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here tonight and you're religious... That's good. You're in church, but that doesn't do it. You see, it has to come to a place when Jesus Christ is your God. It's always personal. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand. And when I left, the physician said, just send me some of your tapes. And I said, no problem. (laughs) And we'll see what God does. See, God is the one that has to open the eyes. I can't open it. You can't open people's eyes. Only God can do it. But people are hungry for the truth. They're tired of religion. See, it's dead-ended. They're also tired. This is the hard part for us. And this is the part you need to continue to pray about in our fellowship and every other fellowship that's teaching the Word of God. You remember the gal that I met on the plane and coming back from Europe? Her complaint was this. I go to churches and they're just weird. They're not dead like religion, where you can go in and out, nothing happened, you did your hour, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, no change, and you're through with it for the week. But she said, I go to these other, and they're running up, they're running up down the aisles, they're just people drawing attention to themselves, there's no order, it's just wild. She says, I won't go back. Well, what do we have here? We have the balance. Now, we're not perfect, but that's what we want. People can't stand dead religion, but she couldn't stand the circus. And so she was looking somewhere between the cemetery and the circus. (laughs) And where are we? Hopefully in the middle. 
hopefully in the middle. Now, the result of this, these two keys, notice, are God's blessing. Because God was with him, because he was his God, notice, and made him exceedingly great. If you have a personal relationship with God and you're actively following him, allowing him to direct your plan, you will be blessed. God's plans for us are good. He loves to bless his children. Now, right by that verse, I think you need to write another verse. 2 Corinthians 3.5. I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians 3.5. When we do get blessed by God, be careful not to be cocky. You can't be proud. God is the reason for our success, not us. So 2 Corinthians 3.5 says this, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. The reason I'm blessed tonight is because of God, not because of me. Actually, I'm blessed in spite of me. Know what I mean? Don't look at me funny like that. You're blessed the same way. I mean, why does God bless us? I don't know. Verse 2. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in Israel, the heads of the families. Notice the word all Israel. It's unity. It's so vital that we work together as a unit. God over and over speaks about unity in the Bible. The whole purpose, the whole reason for success in the book of Acts was because the church was together in unity. We need to watch out. You need to watch out. I need to watch out for Satan because Satan loves to divide. And he's always looking for little pockets of disagreement. He's looking for a little gossip in the background. He's looking for a little self-interest group. So be careful. Realize what it is when you see that. Notice here also that all the leaders are together. And that means that the communication that Solomon was given was for all the leadership then to take to all the people. One of the great problems we have in our marriages, in our churches, in industry, is the lack of communication. Clarity in what the vision is and what's really taking place. Verse 3. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses the Lord's servant had made in the desert. Now David had brought up the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it, because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Belzalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon the assembly inquired of him there. Now remember, David had brought the ark back to Jerusalem. But the rest of the tabernacle furniture was left at Gibeon. It was around somewhere between 7 and 10 miles from there. So because of this, the place that you had to offer your sacrifices, notice here, was at this bronze altar. That's where you did your sacrifices. So the ark, God's presence, and we really don't know, it doesn't really make sense to us, we don't know why David brought the ark, but didn't transfer the rest. And sometimes, 
you can see that that could cause confusion. We have a place here to worship and we have a place here to worship. And that destroys unity. So they should have done that. But Solomon later will do that. Of course, really what he's going to do is build the temple. But he knows if he's going to worship God that he has to go back to the place where the bronze altar is. And that was in Gibeon. Verse 6. And Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting. Remember, that's that temporary tabernacle. And I want you to see this. And offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Now, each offering is an animal. Sometimes you have to just put yourself in the place of what took place. The first thing that Solomon did was to worship God. Solomon was serious about his worship and about his devotion. Are we? At the end of worship, we're relaxed, we're energized, and we feel close to God. It does something for us. And that's why it's special. Now, if we're going to worship, notice you can't offer a thousand burnt offerings in three minutes. Can't go by McDonald's and say, I'd like a thousand carry out burnt offerings here. It took time. It was also costly. If we're going to worship, it's going to take time. It takes time to unwind from the things of the world to get your mind focused on God. Also, it's going to cost you, so it's going to cost you that time. I think what was happening, if you can imagine, Solomon got all the leaders together, talked about unity, then he himself went before all the people and offered a thousand... Did he set an example for the people? So see, the main worshiper has to be the pastor. I have to be interested in worship, because I have to be a worshiper too. So all of us have to be into worship. So Solomon does a very wise thing. Now, worship is made purposefully because God is worthy of our worship. I mean, who are we worship tonight? The band? Me? Sometimes we just worship worship. You don't want to worship worship. You don't want to worship the music. You don't want to worship the instruments. You want to worship God. God is the one that does it, so we have to be careful. Now, the bronze altar was where the burnt offerings were done. Now, when we went through Leviticus, remember, the burnt offering just represented my commitment, my consecration unto God. It's an offering that you would bring to God, and you would say this, Lord, instead of me putting myself and burning myself here, I'm offering all of you to me with this animal. This animal has died. He's going to be burnt, and all of it is going to be burnt. So I'm offering you every part of my life. You use me as you desire. I'm yours, Lord. It represented the death of self, of the person bringing the offering. I think that's a good thing for all of us when we think about that, because much of our worship isn't on Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday, and Wednesday night. Much of our worship should be daily. So when I worship, Solomon didn't feel forced to come and offer his sacrifices. He did it because he wanted to worship. 
When I mention the word journaling, do you feel forced? There he goes again. Wants us to write down our devotions. Legalistic. No. See, it's no good if it's legalistic. Remember Romans 12? I offer myself willingly. So Solomon is a thousand offerings. It took Solomon time. It's costly. Our worship is going to take us time. Our devotion for God is going to take us time. Probably means you have to flip off the old boob tube. Get 15 more minutes of sleep. You can get up 15 minutes early and you're home free. Have a double latte. Stay awake for your devotions and go for it. Okay? What I mean is it's going to cost you. Because we all have the same amount of time. It just took Solomon time. It's going to take us time. And I think it's worthy for us to do that and understand that. And as we do it, there should be some enjoyment in it as there was with Solomon. Remember, when you offer yourself to God, all of us, every part of you, just give it to him. God, whatever you want, I'm yours. And I'm willing in yours because you're a great God and I love to serve you. Verse 7. That night after worship, notice the sequence of this. He worshiped first, then look what God does. Verse 7. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. What a question. It's interesting. Here you see human initiative in this divine invitation. The divine, the creator of the universe, says to a human, What do you want? If God came to you tonight in a dream and he said to you, whatever you want, I'll give you. What would you ask for? Everybody has their own ideas. See, if you didn't know the answer already, you say, well, let's see, I got a mortgage payment. He's been paying money. I sell one of them. We could have a list pretty big, pretty quick, wouldn't we? Anybody having this month having trouble with enough money before the month ends? Let me see your hand. I don't know what you'd ask for. Anybody having physical problems? Okay. Emotional things? No job? I mean, a lot of things we could ask for. I mean, that's a kind of an open statement. Notice what he says. And Solomon answered God. By the way, this is a great picture of prayer. It's two-way communication. God is speaking so Now, I don't know how this happened. It says, in the night, God appeared to Solomon. Quite often, God speaks to me at night. He just impresses me, impresses you. Sometimes he'll wake you up to pray for people during the night. And you just pray for it and go on. Because God's the one that knows that he needs to grab our attention. So somehow he gets a hold of Solomon, doesn't tell us how. Doesn't say how he did it at all. But he asked him, and notice, Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in this place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. So Solomon answered God, this two-way communication with the creator of the universe. And you notice how he answers God? First, he answers him with praise. He doesn't just go right to the list. Okay, here's what I want. 
Not that we would ever do that. But he immediately says, God, man, you've shown such great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. God is a God of kindness. I think it's good to reflect back at the kindness of God in our lives. What a wonderful blessing to review his gentleness. Parents, notice what Solomon said. He said, I've learned from my dad that you were a kind God. Parents, when you're praying over your children, when you're communicating with them, is that the kind of God you're communicating? Or is it an angry, unending God that just can't be pleased? No, we need to make sure that when we're praying over our children. See, David passed down a great reputation of God to his children. One of my goals in this fellowship, if nothing else, that when people come here or if God moves them to another place, is they have the correct character of God. He's not an angry God. He's a just God. But he's a God full of grace and mercy. He's a gentle God. He loves us. He puts up with a lot, doesn't he? Huh? We're just messes. And we're also what? Nobodies. You got it. And he puts up with us. And he even puts up with us when we think we become somebodies. He's a great God. So do our kids know that? That was what David passed down. Through his sins, through his mistakes, Solomon knew the character of the God he was talking with and the God he was praying with. By watching my parents, that character of God was passed on to me. And I think it's a very valuable thing. Sunday school teacher, especially in our kids' ministry, all those children have no concept of God outside of this church. Make sure the God you're giving them is the God of the Bible. That's very important. David passed this on. Great thing for a parent. So verse 10 is the answer. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Solomon asked for help. Why? Because he looked at the people and he went, I'm in trouble. Now, most people believe he was anywhere between 17 and 20 to 21 years old. Here he is, 20, let's say. And he looked out on these masses of people, and he went, I need help. So humility is a great thing. And when you see this humility, what Solomon is saying is this, I'm over my head. I can't rule these people. I need your help. By the way, There's no way any leader in this church can do it by themselves. As we began 2 Chronicles, Solomon began his reign as king like his father David, when he sought to honor the Lord. He gave offerings that must have taken a lot of time and resources. Pastor Mark asked us to consider our own offerings to the Lord and whether or not they are sacrificial. God gave Solomon a choice to ask for whatever he wanted, 
And Solomon's answer reflected where his heart was at the time. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark speaks about what wisdom really is and how it relates to Solomon's choice to ask God for it. Solomon won't ask the Lord for what most people would, wealth, prestige, or power. Because of his righteous intent, the Lord will bless Solomon with all of those things anyway. We'll see how God desires that we come to him as well, with our needs and desires. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.